We're live. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Matthew Paris Show. I'm your host, Matthew Paris. Uh, before we start, make sure you hit that little subscribe button right down there on the corner. It's always a great time here on the Matthew Paris Show. We talk sports, what's going on in the world of sports. So let's get into it. Um, it is reported that Sports Illustrated, one of the top uh, sporting magazines in the world, is uh, now is in some trouble because they're saying that they have AI writers who are doing the work for the actual real writers. Uh, real writers are not getting paid, and the AI is starting to come into Sports Illustrated a little bit. Now, uh, the world is different. I get that. It's a uh, very different world. Um, AI, sometimes I get emails from, uh, hey, if you ever want to write something, here's an AI that will set, set out the work. Just write the outline and the AI will do it for you. I don't believe in that type of stuff. I think we should uh, do the work itself instead of having a computer do it. Um, but it is reported now that Sports Illustrated is in hot water because AI, the AI machines are, some of them are writing the articles instead of uh, not paying the real writers. Now, what does this mean? Could it be that, you know, AI, you know, Sports Illustrated is trying to come into the movement of AI machines taking over because writers are going to start losing their jobs. Other people are starting to lose their jobs. It's going to be like the Terminator out here again. Um, the machines will just take over. But, um, yeah, so what... what would happen here. So Sports Illustrated has been contacted. There's been no no uh, comment on that situation. So I'm sure we'll get a comment soon, but it is going on. Um, how do you guys feel about AI writers taking over? I mean, do you want that? I, I wouldn't want that. You know, it's a very uh, touchy subject with AI and whatnot, but it is sort of coming into its own a little bit here. Um, I personally want real writers because you feel the emotion within the writing. You feel you feel the intensity. You feel the writer's uh, passion for the subject. With AI, it's like, oh, here's the subject. Just go off and do it, and that's about it. But you have to, you know, the real writer will write the outline and dump it to the AI. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know how I feel about that. But the question is for you guys: How do you feel about AI? And could Sports Illustrated be in trouble now? with all this that come out. We will see. Um, in other news, let's talk about um, let's talk about football a little bit. Let's see here. The Panthers coaching search candidates to replace Frank Reich. Frank Reich has been fired. Uh, Carolina owner David Tepper has a big decision ahead, but there are plenty of quality options, including a couple of big-time college names who have had success in the NFL. Uh, the Panthers are the second NFL team to make a coaching change, Frank Reich was let go Monday after just 11 games. One of the shortest tenures for a head coach in league history. Wow. Uh, what do you guys feel about that? Special teams coordinator Chris Tabor will be the team's interim coach, and we'll get into, a, and get into that in a moment, just as we did when the Raiders parted ways with Josh McDaniel. We'll come up with a curated list for the Panthers, peeling from my inventory of nearly 100 up-and-coming coaches that I wrote about earlier this year. Oddly enough, Panthers defensive coordinator Ijaro Evero, I hope I pronounced that right, was a candidate some important folks in the industry viewed as a lock for a head coaching job in 2024. Now he is not even the interim head coach for the Carolina Panthers. To me, this speaks to a sort of mismanagement of assets. For example, Thomas Brown, the team's on-again, off-again, and now on-again play caller, would seem like the perfect fit for interim job over at Carolina but was instead reinstated as play-calling offensive coordinator. 
the interim role would have suited his strengths. Those who know Brown had always expected him to rise much like Mike Tomlin over at the Pittsburgh Steelers, riding the strength of his personality and leadership capabilities over his uh, schematic abilities. This is not to say that Brown and Tomlin are bad play callers, but, you know, when you are in a dire situation, don't you want to maximize everyone's best strengths? Similarly, Evero, who will probably still get head coaching interviews this offseason, deserves a full-time audition, even if Panthers owner David Tepper ignored Steve Wilkes' stellar uh, audition in that role last year after he fired Matt Rule. Um, I would imagine the Panthers would be hiring a coach with an offensive background. I would also imagine that, like the Rule deal, Tepper would have to offer an unconventional six-year contract because this roster is an absolute mess. A new coach is going to have to calm and rejuvenate. Bryce Young and deal with the growing pains of a bad offensive line, a depleted secondary, and a roster full of mismatched parts. That's one of my here-we-go as a good fit. So, there you go. There's another reason. Frank Reich. Who, who remembers Frank Reich? This is the same Frank Reich who was the Buffalo Bills' backup quarterback when they went to those four straight Super Bowls and lost it. And, uh, you know, dare I remind you, since I'm from Houston, remember that game against the Houston Oilers in Buffalo, the greatest comeback in NFL history, one of the greatest comebacks in NFL history? I tried to forget that, but sometimes it comes up on the radar. Um, also, that game, uh, Houston Oilers versus Buffalo Bills, Jim Kelly was out as quarterback, and Frank Reich was our the backup quarterback, and we let the backup quarterback um, beat us in the greatest comeback in NFL history after I believe it was 35-3 to at halftime. It was something like that. So um, that game still gives me. I know every Houston fan just cringes every time they see a highlight of that game or they hear about it. You know, that game was very uh, monumental in NFL history. It was voted as one of the greatest games that, that was ever played in NFL. Um, I know Houston fans don't like to hear about it, but that's the same Frank Wright that got uh, fired from the Carolina Panthers coaching job. Um, so who knows? Who knows? Um, let's see here. Let's see here. Moving on. We're going to move on to, uh, we're going to move on to some basketball, some NBA stuff. Clippers, Russell Westbrook says he won't allow disrespected fan after incident with fans. So somebody in the fans disrespecting him. Uh, Clippers guard Russell Westbrook got into a verbal altercation with a fan during Tuesday night's 113-104 loss to the Nuggets in Los Angeles. The fan, who was sitting a few rows up from the floor, was seen yelling in the direction of Westbrook while the game was in action. The Clippers guard stopped playing and walked over to fire back barbs into the stands at the fan. The altercation spilled over into a timeout with both Westbrook and the fan continued to spew words at one another. Multiple people tried to move Westbrook away from the unruly fan at different points, including one of the game's officials. Clippers teammate Daniel Thies and Nuggets player Justin Holliday and DeAndre Jordan um, tried to remove Westbrook, tried to get him away from the fan because they were spewing uh, derogatory words at them. Westbrook spoke on the incident after the game. It's just unfortunate fans that think that they can get away with saying anything, and personally, I won't allow what Westbrook told reporters. Um, the Clipper star said that while he used to let comments for fans roll off his back earlier in his career, he has a different stance now when fans cross the line and talk about his family. Of course, we all do, right? Family is everything. Now, having kids and understanding how important it is, not just myself, but my last name, understanding what Westbrook means, understanding how important that is to my dad, my grandfather, my family, it's very important. It's something I stand on, and respect is a big thing that I value. So in the moment the line gets crossed, I won't allow it no more. 
I've stood for it for years, and now my son is old enough to know what's going on asking me, hey, Dad, what does that mean? What's that? Now i got to stand on it. Regardless of where I'm at, what's going on, I'm always standing on that. You know, uh, Russell Westbrook's got a point there, you know. We've seen other fans altercations throughout the years in the NBA and NFL and other sports too. Uh, who remembers back in the 90s when uh, Vernon Maxwell, great three-point shooter, had quick hands. He was lightning fast for the Houston Rockets. <coughs> when a fan, you know, called a derogatory term to his daughter and Vernon Maxwell went up to the stands and punched the guy. And then Rudy T- Tom Jonovich, who was the Rockets head coach at the time, went to Maxwell and... Uh, you know, said, well, you're out here in the hallway. You know what I mean? So we don't allow that here. So, but he's got, you know, he's got a point. The fans need to know their place. They need to know where to stand. You know, you're there enjoying a game. You're not there to get drunk and heckle the other team and heckle the players, you know, especially if you're close to the floor. Uh, going back to the Clippers and Russell Westbrook. The loss dropped the Clippers to 7-9 and nine on the season. They're back in action on Wednesday night in Sacramento. So, um... Yeah, so fan altercations, you know, everybody's just got to chill. You know, you're coming to see your favorite team play. You, you bring your kids, you come with your wife, you come with your family, and uh, you're, you're there to have a good time, and hopefully your team wins. Not to get into it with the other team or get drunk or try to get into a fight with another person in the stands. I've seen that happen before. So uh, fans need to know, you know, you need to chill. So that's about it. Uh, moving on real quick. Says right here, Fox analysis Greg Olson is interested in the Panthers head coaching opening. So Fox analysis Greg Olson is one of the guys up to replace um, Frank Reich in the Panthers coaching position after the job was vacated. A surprising name has emerged as a potential suitor for the Panthers head coaching job after their franchise fired Frank Reich earlier on Monday. Current Fox Sports analysis and former Carolina tight end Greg Olson. Olson would be interested if the Panthers approach him about the opening. A report from the Athletics, Joseph Pearson and Richard Deitch indicated. Um, Olson, who joined the Fox broadcast booth full-time in 2021 after serving as a guest analyst in past years, have been lauded for his commentary work. But before that, he was a three-time Pro Bowler, one of the best tight ends in the league, and a beloved Panthers player. Clearly, Olson is knowledgeable about the NFL but would Carolina have an interest in him? He is qualified to be a head coach. Despite his wealth of playing experience, Olsen has never paced the sideline as a coach unless you count his work as the leader of his son's Pop Warner team. This would be a leap of faith for both Olsen and Panthers owner David Tepper, who has fired two head coaches in three years. Um, now you have to remember, uh, there is uh, other times where Olsen, who led his son's Pop Warner team, okay, so NFL is very different. Very different. You have grown men playing here. You have different personalities playing here. A lot of them are extreme. A lot of them are very competitive than a bunch of kids. So, you know, you have to remember Greg Olson, and he's been there. He's been a player. He's a three-time Pro Bowler, so he's going to have to deal with a lot of personalities. I mean, half of the NFL is not just coaching the team, but coaching the personalities, managing the personalities. And if you can do that real well, then I think you're going to have a successful NFL or, or any other type of team that's playing a sport. Uh, a potential Olsen hire, probably a long shot, would make Carolina fans both excited and nervous, given Tepper's track record at bringing in coaches. So just stay tuned on that one. So we'll see what happens there. Um, let's see here. Let's talk about college football for a second. We're previewing a conference championship weekend long on pettiness. Uh, with conference realignment just around the corner, it's almost time for what's sure to be a tension-filled 
uh, weekend before the word winds of change. Uh, 40 names, games, teams, and miniature making news in college football. So there are 10 conference championship games being contested this week, the last big hurrah before the annual trickle of bowl games filled the latter half of December. There have never been uh, this main, many high-stakes conference title games. Every single Power 5 matchup could impact the playoffs. But beyond that, the great realignment Wave plus Cotter Stallions have combined to create a maximum level of potential awkwardness for post-game trophy presentations. The dash breaks it all down, the most awkward and continuous at least. Uh, the Big Ten. The matchup, Iowa, which is 10-2, versus Michigan, which is 12-0, this Saturday at 8 p.m. Uh, the tension it's highly likely that league commissioner Tony Patetti will have to share a stage with the coach to controversial suspended for the final three games of the regular season, Jim Harbaugh. Patetti also would have to exchange pleasantries with Michigan Athletic Director Ward Manuel, who fired off a uh, strident protest statement when the punishment was handed down. I don't think any single human being in the sport has been booed as hard as in 2023, as Patetti would be Saturday night if the Wolverines win. Um... And just in case Iowa wins, don't expect any podium hugs exchanged between athletic director Beth Goetz and the Ferenc family. Goetz, first out, Kirk Ferenc's son, and effective offensive coordinator Brian in late October. But allow him to finish the coaching this season or response to a well-deserved pink slip and a kinder-than-warranted long goodbye. Um, Porty nephew baby Brian has stopped wearing Iowa gear on the sideline during games as if he were somehow an adraverated party. Here, while overseeing literally the worst offense in the country, um, Beth Goitz would be well within her rights to tell Brian Ferenz that he, if he's no longer proud to represent Iowa, he no longer has to and dismiss his him immediately. Um, what's the line on this game? The line: Michigan by 23. Uh, how they got here for Iowa: one punt at a time. For Michigan, one survived suspension at a time. Because remember. Jim Harbaugh won't be there for a potential uh, suspension of sign stealing. Uh, the dash prediction, Michigan 28, Iowa 0. Other than the potential for Harbaugh theater, this will be a terrible game to watch. The Hawkeyes will only possess the ball on Michigan's side of midfield. If the Wolverines turn it over to them, they have special teams enforced. All right, so we talked about that game. Let's talk about this game. The Pac-12, the matchup. We have the Oregon Ducks, who are 11-1 versus Washington as 12-0. They're Friday at 8 p.m. The tension to Pac-12 Commissioner George Kalikoff, I hope I pronounced that right, is believed to still exist. Through it's fairly certain that he has not attended a single conference football game this fall, and for good reason. His league will no longer exist at any viable capacity next season, crashing into a realignment iceberg while an inactive watch. And the two schools that dealt with Coupe de Grace to the Pac-12 in August will ballot out for the final conference title. Then Kalikoff can hand over the trophy to the future Big Ten members and return to exile. Um, the line for this game, the Pac-12 championship, Oregon by 9.5. How they got here the hard way uh, through the deepest conference of the country, but also the entertaining way with two of the best offices in the country. The Huskies beat the Ducks by three points in October in one of the games of the year. This is what Dash prediction. Oregon 38, Washington 31. If the Big Ten game is the worst competitive matchup, this one might be the best. The Dash does not believe the undefeated Huskies can be blown out. But there is no doubt that the Ducks have played better over the latter half of the season. If Dan Lanning can resist committing fourth down, Male practice, Oregon should be headed to the playoffs, maybe Washington too, though the Huskies would need some stuff to break right. So we'll see what happens there. Um, 
going back to the Pac-12 a little bit, the Pac-12 will no long, conference will no longer exist next season. Um, I think this is very sad. They've moved the teams around, shifted the teams around to different conferences. Um, yeah, so it's it's uh, it's. I think it's very sad that the Pac-12 will end, but you know things have to move forward. Things have to go. Um, people will lose their jobs. Our people will be moved over to other conferences who work in the front office. But the question is, what do you guys think about the Pac-12 leaving? Uh, just comment below. Uh, yeah, so we'll see what happens there. Let's talk about the Atlantic Coast. The matchup, Louisville 10-2 versus Florida State, which is 12-0. This is Saturday at 8 p.m. Uh, this is the tension. You might recall that the Seminoles did everything but succeed from the conference during the summer, uh, guiding up all kinds of outrage over the media, grants of right contract that extends to 2036 in which Florida State will only sign at the time it came into existence. They threatened to up and leave despite apparently having nowhere to go. The Seminoles route Sabres for Success Initiative that gives high-performing schools in football and men's basketball a shot at greater revenue, which was voted into existence. For Commissioner Jim Phillips, the trophy presentation would be more pleasant to the Cardinals, but more lucrative to the Seminoles, who likely will be in the playoff with a win in Charlotte. Um, the line here, they got Florida State by 2.5. How they got here, the Seminoles were expected to be here, though they had to endure a late-season injury to star quarterback Jordan Travis. The Cardinals are a surprise after being picked up to fish eighth in the league. Uh, here's what Dash predicts. Louisville 31, Florida State 30. Jeff Brom loves a good upset opportunity, and the Knolls are vulnerable. The Cardinals' defense has softened up in recent weeks, earning more than six yards per play in the last three games. But it remains to be seen whether Tate Rodmaker can effectively move to the Florida State offense if the Louisville offense takes care of the ball. It should be able to move and score. The Cardinals are 10-0 when turning it over two or fewer times this season, 0-2, with committing three turnovers. Um, so, yeah, that should be a pretty good game. We'll see what happens there. I'm, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Louisville has a good ups, good shot upsetting them, but I think Florida State, the Seminoles, will be too much for them for the Cardinals. So we'll see what happens there. Let's talk about the Big 12 championship. Texas will be in the Big 12 championship at 11-1 before moving next season to the SEC. Uh, their matchup, they will be playing Oklahoma State. I know a lot of people have wanted a, a, a rematch of the Red River shootout between Texas and Oklahoma, but that didn't happen due to the standings. So their matchup is going to be the Oklahoma State Cowboys. The tension, Commissioner Brett Yormark, like everyone else in the sport, likes the money that could come from the conference's way if the Longhorns make the playoffs. But there's also this. The Cowboys are staying in the Big 12. The Horns are not. As I said, they're moving to the SEC. Yormark told a Texas Tech booster group earlier this year that he was hoping that the Red Raiders take care of business in the season finale at Texas Friday. And said the Horns won 57-7, then unleashed the trolls on the stadium big screen. There is simply no way Texas is passing on the petty while leaving their relationship. Uh, the line is Texas by 14, so Texas is predicted to win. Uh, how they got here, the Cowboys arrived by a circulation route that includes two blowout losses and one huge win in the final Bedlam game. The Longhorns, at last, lived up to the preseason hype. Uh, here's what Dash predicts. Texas 37, Oklahoma State 21. Mike Gundy brings some Warlock power to any game in which he's an underdog, and this matchup certainly is the kind that brings up the best in the mullet. But his defense has been among the worst in the Big 12 in league play, and Texas has the webs to exploit that, even after an injury to running back Jonathan Brooks. Um, yeah, so we'll see what, 
what ends up there. Uh, real quick, one last one, the American Athletic Conference, the matchup, SMU at 10-2 at Tulane and 11-1. This is Saturday at 4 p.m. The tension, AAC Commissioner Mike Oresco has been consistently resilient and pragmatic when schools have left his league, including SMU, which is hitting the eject button next year for the ACC. But it has to hurt to see a school so desperate to get out of it that it forfeited hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue rights. And that school is the closest one to league headquarters, just as the ACC was surely happy to see Tulane defeat outgoing Central Florida for the conference title last year. League honchos would prefer a repeat this year. Here's what the line is. Tulane by 5.5. How they got here by being every non-Power 5 opponent in their path. SMU was 10-0 against teams outside the P5. Tulane, the Power 5. Tulane was 11-0. Neither has lost in September. Here's what Dash predicts. Tulane 27, SMU 20. These teams have quality quarterbacks, but are also the top two defensive units in the conference. The Dash knows this picking up the green wave late in the year the past two seasons has been an invitation to be wrong. And that's an invitation that needs to be declined in the instance. Um, so yeah, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens with those games. There are other championship games. This is championship weekend on Saturday, so there are other championship games. I mean, Alabama's playing. We'll see what happens there. Every team right now is fighting for that playoff spot. So who will be in the 2024 college football playoffs? Uh, please let me know in your comments below. Um, yeah, it should be a, a fun couple of games. It should be a great Saturday. It's going to be a uh, it's going to be a, a great time. All right, real quick, one last thing. This was reported from Yahoo Sports. Is the NFL scripted? Tom Brady gives his perfect response. The GOAT, Tom Brady, seven-time Super Bowl champion, gives his response about that. Uh, remember earlier this year when former Houston Texans running back um, Arian Foster claimed jokingly in all likelihood that the NFL is scripted. This is what's supposed to be a joke from the Houston Texans former running back Arian Foster. Either way, they claim prompt to seem pretty funny responses from players past and present. It's obviously ridiculous to think that entities such as the NFL would be scripted, but that didn't stop people from reaching the Foster's take. The league, to its credit, has done a good job poking fun at the notion of it's scripted. The league even released an awesome commercial a few weeks ago when some of the sport's best players, including Kansas City Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes, got together for a secret meeting where they put together a script for the upcoming 2023 season. Um... So, yeah, right now the league, the NFL league, is making fun of it after Arian Foster's comments on is our games, our season scripted. Uh, the best response to the idea that the NFL could be scripted has actually come from former New England Patriots quarterback Tom Brady, also Tampa Bay's Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady. Makes sense, right? You think Brady would have side off on losing a perfect season to Eli Manning and the New York Giants, complete with a late comeback that included a helmet catch and a missed interception, and then lose another Lombardi trophy to Manning a few years later. In all seriousness, one of the best things about sports is that it isn't scripted. The drama of pro football is incredible, and the outcome isn't truly decided until the clock hits zero. Brady and his Patriots team proved that better than anyone. Um, so, yeah, so uh, they're joking about it right now. But what do you guys think? Is the NFL scripted or all sports scripted? Do you think somebody's going on behind the scenes and they get together and they say, hey, let's do this? I know there are times where we joke about, you know, for the World Series or even this past season's ALCS between the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros, that it had to go to Game 7 because it brings in more money financially to the state of Texas and to other, other places, other states that, that their team is into the big game on the big stage, like the Super Bowl or World Series or NBA Finals or whatnot. 
But anyways, let me know in the comments section below. Do you think the NFL is scripted? You know, just hit just hit that below. We'll see. I'll read them. Also, guys, uh, have a great time. That's it for our show. Have a great time this day. Uh, make sure you guys are out having fun. It's coming up to be Christmas time. You guys be safe. Uh, have a great, great Christmas. And we'll talk very, very soon. All right, guys, take care. All right, you take care. Bye.